Earl Grey for Jeremy? Yeah, the Earl Grey, right here. Thank you. All right, so today we are back on Alal's Cafe after a little bit of a break. And we are talking to my friend Rachel, who's a comm student here at Moody, been researching and uh, thinking a lot about technology, been reading a lot of heavy books, let's be honest. Uh, but welcome, first of all. So thanks Thank for you. joining us today and to have a conversation about technology and theology like we've been talking about. And so you have been reading uh, some of the, well, I'll call them primary texts, the, the, the text that everybody kind of reads if you're in the field of technology and theology. Uh, and you started with... Um, you started with Marshall McLuhan, who, to be honest, I, I kind of like McLuhan probably the best out of all of them, simply because for me, McLuhan was never quite as pessimistic as the rest of them were. Very interesting, but there were moments where it felt very, he, he always feels very uh, insightful and prophetic, but almost a little poetic rather than simply critiquing everything, just saying, here's what I see that may be good or may not be good, but we'll just have to figure that out later. So mm-hmm. when you read McLuhan, you started with which book? Laws of Media. Laws of Media. And what did you think? It was not my favorite based on the ones I've read afterwards. Yep. For me, it was just like fact, fact, fact. <laughs> so when I think about the fact, I'm like, sweet, what do you like? Come on, what's more? You, want, you wanted more from him, like explain what exactly. Like, all right, so um, I think it's in Laws of Media. I'm probably going to get the wrong book, but he says that uh, uh, media that media is the extensions of man, the extensions that of being human. That is Laws of Media. Yeah, so um, I love this thought mm-hmm. uh, because it really does help me, yeah. but it also for some people is a little tricky and confusing. So how did you take that idea? It was really, really confusing for me at first. Like, I was sitting, like, in the library, I think, and I'm, like, tr- I'm a verbal processor, and I'm, like, I'm in the <laughs> library, and I can't talk about what I think about you're this. You're just talking out loud to anybody who will listen, and they're, like, what are you saying right now? Librarians are, like, you're insane. Yep. It took me a little bit, and I had to go back and reread, like, the back half mm-hmm. and all of those charts, and then me just step away from it, and I started reading Postman again and Alul. Finally, after reading Alul, just, like, it clicked. Like, hmm. it just, I felt like Alul, since he was before McLuhan, that's how you say his name, right? Yep, McLuhan, yep. Um, it just tied it all together. Like, this is the order which it came. Mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. that's what really tied it all together. It was a lull. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, we named a cafe after him, so we do definitely love a lull and what he's talking about. Um, Best cafe. Can this be a real thing? I, it could be. I, I, I'm, I'm down if we want to actually build one. Anybody want to build a lull's cafe for me, I will definitely come drink tea there all the time. Um, so, wait, we got to keep the illusion going because there's people talking behind us. This is definitely a real cafe. Never mind. Um, uh, we're not talking to ourselves. So, one of the things I loved about McLuhan, when he said the extensions of man, the thing that really helped me was to think about uh, the technology and the media that we use as extensions and think of, like, uh, the television. So what he meant, uh, for, for the people that haven't read McLuhan, uh, what he's talking about when he says that technology and media are the extensions of man, he essentially means that um, a car is an extension of my legs. Mm-hmm. So uh, a bicycle and then a car is an extension of my legs. So I'm going from A to B, and my legs will allow me to get there in a certain speed, and then technology allows me to speed that up. So I get on a bike, and it basically functions like my legs would to get me from A to B. That piece of technology conveys me faster, but it also means that I lose things. So McLuhan's constantly talking about the trade-offs. And he's saying, I gain something and I lose something. I go back to something and I move forward with something all at the same time, all the time. So when he says 
I gain something and I lose something. The, the gain, for instance, if I said I'm going to take a car, I got there faster. But I also can't stop and smell the roses. I can't go to the coffee shop and the bakery because I'm moving too fast past them to even oftentimes see them. So I gain speed. I lose intimacy. I lose connection to the environment. I lose. So I always gain and lose something for them. If they're talking about uh, video, I get to watch what's happening on the other side of the world when I'm watching YouTube or the news or whatever. But I lose the sense of connectedness to, yes, but I don't really understand that. I can see my eyes have been extended to the other side of the world, but my eyes being extended there doesn't mean my hands can get there. So it kind of emphasizes, certain media emphasizes one particular sense, sight, sound, um, smell would be really interesting. We've got to figure that one out, how we get to smell across the world. But I suppose technically, if you ordered... Like, I know you can order food from the other side of the planet, and it'll be delivered to you. So I went fishing in Alaska one time, and they I caught silver salmon, and they filleted them and sent them, and the box beat me home. Like, I literally got home, and it was there on my doorstep when I got there. And now, I had spoke for another day or two, maybe, but it literally got there before I did. And then my uh, Mexican brother-in-law is a chef, and he made hollandaise sauce and salmon. It was so good. So I guess I can taste the other side of the world, I guess, because Alaska is a really long way away. But, okay. Uh, McLuhan's kind of point, though, is that technology and media allows us to extend what we're capable of doing. So um, an easy one's a shovel. A shovel extends my capacity for my hand to dig a hole. Uh, It could get a laser-guided auger. I can get a crane. I can get all kinds of technology to do the same thing. But every time I do, I lose something in the process. And I also shape myself differently. Because I don't get dirt on my hands, but now I get calluses because I use the shovel. So McLuhan's trying to help us understand, like, every single time we engage with media, we gain something and lose something. We push something forward and pull something back. And in the process, that that has consequences. And that's really one of the things he keeps going back to, especially in Laws of Media, is what are the consequences? So in, in reading him, that those consequences that keeps coming back up for him. Did you find that a, a clear thing where you started thinking about your own consequences? Yes, for sure. I was just like thinking of what I had on my phone, like Instagram, Facebook, and then Pinterest came to mind. I was like, I scroll on Pinterest so much. Hmm. And then I thought about, I was like, oh, I have that decoration because guess what? That Everyone saw that pin. So hmm. we're going to keep scrolling by. And I kept going through all my old Pinterest boards because I just thought it was funny. And I was like, Everyone was thinking about this at the exact same time. Hmm. I was not actually being created with this. This was chosen for me to put (laughs) on my board. And I was just royally creeped out. And I was like, I need to change everything I own. (laughs) Like, let's get rid of everything. Uh, You're like, I'm being surveilled at every moment by everything. And and the the really interesting part is, okay, but I I do get to see things on Pinterest that I never would have seen before. Yeah. So it does give me opportunities. But then I lose some things in the sense of... um, I don't create it myself. Yeah. I just feel like I lost this entire sense of creativity that I had as a kid before I had, like, even an iPod. Hmm. So, Interesting. Like. Wow. Like, when I was a kid, I was like, oh, I want to paint this picture. I had no reference in front of me. All I had was the image in my head, and I had to recreate it. Hmm. But then, all of a sudden, I started taking art class. Like, hey, find a reference photo. I'm like, what the heck? And 
And that's pretty standard for art. I mean, that's been yeah. true for a long time. It's like one of the principles for it. Right. But the interesting part is how does technology change your capacity to be imaginative and artistic? And it basically says, well, all of this is available all the time. Mm-hmm. Rather than the, the fascinating part of somebody like Van Gogh, who would say, no, 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 I got to go sit in that space on that day to get that. Yeah. Not that picture that I pulled up off Pinterest that basically is the one that everybody else looked at. Yeah. So, hmm. Okay. So then you got you went back to a lull. Yeah. And? I... Which one did you read from a lull? Uh, the Technological Society. Technological Society. Fantastic. It royally creeped me out. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I was on a plane... And he was just talking about, like, how we're progressing and what's going to change. I was like, I'm sitting on something that has, like, progressed. And, mm-hmm. like, this is affected by what he's talking mm-hmm. about. And then I came back to school and I saw you. You're like, yeah, get ready, player one. I said, uh-uh. This ain't funny. I'm creeped out. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, and, and, and Alul's concept, I think we're going to talk to cameras up more about this at some point in the future. But Alul's concept really there of recognizing that the technique of constantly applying to all situations all the time an analytical um, logical framework that is constantly moving toward efficiency regardless of whether or not that's the best thing or not which is his point it doesn't ask the question it just moves mm-hmm. like well, well why wouldn't we do that yeah. and and often in technology and especially in its development one of the strongest things that I love about Alul is that he will I had this ongoing thing when I was working on my master's that I realized because I had several professors who were um, into technology ethics, bioethics, all of those kind of things. And and they constantly kept coming back and saying, um, people just keep doing it because they can, not because they should. And they never actually stopped to consider, should we do this? Is this a good idea? How does this work? They just did it because they could do it. And that's really a lull's end is like you get to the point where the technique is more important we don't actually ask whether that's a good idea whether that's helpful we just know we can so why wouldn't we yeah. why wouldn't we just keep applying this technique to everything else so you're sitting in an airplane thinking about you just applied technique got me there more efficiently so the airplane the airplane is actually an extension of your legs if i'm talking McLuhan, you got from here to there a to b faster cool mm-hmm. but at the same time you're starting to realize wait what happens if we're going too fast yeah that I had to quit thinking about it because I was flying over Colorado. I was like, this could end really badly in my brain, so let's stop. Yeah, yeah. Well, and the really funny part, the part that I, I flew a lot. When I worked as an executive, I flew all over the country probably 10 days a month. And one of the things that I kept thinking about was uh, I'm sitting on the plane. Okay, you're flying from point A to point B, often over Colorado, mountains, big, you know, bodies of water, whatever. What tripped me out was that at one point I realized that there were large sections of the flight where the pilot was not piloting the plane. And I was like, we are literally 10,000 feet in the air trusting a machine to make sure that we don't crash into a mountain or a lake or whatever. And I was like, okay. And if you don't think about that, you'll be fine. Just focus on what you're doing. Read your book, watch your movie and whatever. But the moment you have that existential moment of like, I'm trusting this machine to not send me crashing to my death at 500 miles an hour into a mountain. You're like, I'm never going to fly again. It'll be okay. So many other things right now, and I'm never getting on a plane again. You'll be fine. It's okay. I actually, I'm actually in certain senses, 
it gives me a sense of hope that they haven't taken a pilot out of a cockpit yet. So uh, at least there's a human in there watching what's going on. There's lots of other machines that work. Um, we have an audio engineer watching this to make sure it works for us. Mm-hmm. So it's helpful because I don't trust that I wouldn't hit the wrong button and it wouldn't work for me afterward and then would go away. That's so, yeah, that's, that's a problem. So how did you cope with it? Yeah, I mean, do we just ignore it? Do we just pretend like it doesn't exist? Do we move on or do we wrestle it to the ground? Because that's Lil's point, too. I really wanted to address it. Like, it showed up in so many of my conversations. It was probably a little bit too much because my friends were like, you don't stop talking about technology. <laughs> and I said, I know, but you're not thinking about it. Like, a lot of my friends are like, oh, let's just hop on a laptop and figure this out real quick. And I said, well, what was the process before the laptop? Why don't we have those techniques of, like, sitting down, looking for the right book, for the right author? Why don't we do that anymore? We're, that would develop our brains so much more or it teaches so many different techniques on like how to research it could and i was just like i was just getting frustrated at that point and i just talked to you about this with research as well <laughs> well and, and part of the thing that that we're finding and this is what is uh, for the people listening uh, to this conversation recognize that a, a good chunk of the time um we actually we don't spend much time reading anymore we spend a lot of time scanning Mm -hmm. so we don't actually sit and read the whole thing we just kind of look through it quickly which is what social media in some ways has taught us to do but before social media even on that the internet was teaching us hey short articles keep them in this Mm -hmm. breadth this length it can only be this long of a read because people can't keep the attention to read something longer so my response with with a, a mindset of McLuhan is to say this is what the internet this is what technology is teaching us to do whether we realize it or not mm-hmm. and so the uh, you know I made the joke like if you were from the 80s you pretty much had an 8 minute attention span uh, because that was the average time between one commercial and the next at a sitcom uh, it was about 7-8 minutes and, and, and anybody in the 80s if you're listening you know um, that you could time it so you knew exactly when to go get a drink or go to the bathroom and you knew exactly how much time you had to get back before the TV because you couldn't pause it at that point. That technology didn't exist. Um, and then YouTube came along. And YouTube taught all of us that our attention span should be more like three to five minutes, probably closer to three. And then TikTok showed up. And now we all have like 20-second attention spans. And it's kind of like, okay. But in our reading, we we shifted as well. We shifted to the scan mentality where we scan over the things instead of actually taking the time to in-depth read them. And the other thing which you're talking about, which is the more fascinating part to me even in in having this conversation, is you tried to then have a conversation with people about it who then tried to solve the problem with more technology. Yeah. I don't know that I want to think about this. I don't know that I want to dialogue about it. I'll <laughs> just go back to the technology and the technology. They're literally doing what a lull keeps saying. So you just applied more technology to solve the problem that technology created. Yeah. <laughs> and your friends are like, we don't see the problem. And I'm like, you are insane. Try to get them to read the book, but we're not reading that. Yeah, they're like, probably not going to read it. It, it. It's not for everybody, and I get that. I said it was, about, it was from a dead French guy, and they're like, why would we read that? <laughs> Did they say it like Frenchman? Like, like what? Like a, like a Frenchman. Like, you know, you're saying, you, you said he's a f- dead Frenchman. I'm saying maybe if they were, like, if they said it like they were from Monty Python or something, then that totally makes sense. So, okay, she doesn't know what Monty. Wow, we got a lot of things we got. All right, never mind. We'll deal with that another day. Um, no, you're fine. That's hilarious. It, what's really funny to me, though, is that um, that that skill loss, dialogue loss, um, that a couple other people probably started reading some other people, but uh, a couple other people are noting 
isn't felt as loss. Mm-hmm. Like they're not feeling the loss of dialogue. They're just like, well, th- we didn't have it to begin with, so why would we miss it when it's gone? But that's one of those things that if you did have it, which you're trying to get to with some of them, you're starting to miss. Mm-hmm. So how do you wrestle that yeah, one to the ground? How do you deal with that? In practically with your friends, if you're trying to, I'm trying to dialogue about this. How do I either A, find new friends? No, I'm just kidding. Ouch. Um, <laughs> Sorry, guys. Peace out. I love all of your friends, at least the ones I know. Um, so, great. but how, how do you work that out? How do you go and either challenge them or have those kind of conversations you're trying to have? I was thinking of one in particular, and I think the one, Luke. Um, he's usually really, really quick to think and like move on. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I had to sit down and talk to him the other day. I was just like being totally honest, like from an emotional standpoint, like you're frustrating me because you're not going to talk to me about this. Mm. And I said, this matters to me a lot. Please listen to me. Mm. Um, Did you get that? No. <laughs> he's a very emotionally intelligent guy. I promise. Sometimes he's just the guy. Okay. Um, I'll, I won't take that personally. Sorry. It's okay. It's, I will, I'll stop talking. <laughs> <laughs> no, you can't stop talking. This is, this, this is not going to work. Um, so, uh, are there other places you go for dialogue, though? Yeah, there's definitely, like, girls on my floor. Like, if it's, like, floor hours, because, like, I live in a dorm, and the RA opens her room, mm-hmm. and we can go and chit-chat. And they've asked what I've been up to. I was like, oh, I've been reading these books. And they're like, oh, what are they about? I'm like, and I just kind of explain, like, they're about technology, how they've affected us, what's going to happen, um, what are the changes caused and like what are the extensions of man they asked specifically while I was reading laws of media and I was trying to like just expand very simple like in a very simple manner because like they hadn't read it they don't know what I'm talking sure, sure. about not very few of them are com majors and they even had they haven't even had the introduction introduction the communication, communication yeah, yeah. Class, right. yeah. No worries. um and they just kind of like in a very loving way, like, we don't understand, so we're going to try and move on the conversation. Cause Interesting. A lot, cause a lot of people in my generation, like, we feel uncomfortable about not knowing about a subject. We like to move on. And they did that. And I'm like, wait, wait, wait. Why do we move on? Like, this is important. This impacts us daily. Like, every single one of us in this room has a laptop, an iPad, or a phone. Yep. So it's like, do you not think about what's going to happen? Like, oh, well, we feel like we're overwhelmed with social, like, with technology. We'll delete social media. And I said, you're still not getting rid of, like, the problem. Mm-hmm. I said that thing still causes you to move on quickly. It causes your it causes like your attention does not stay on me when I'm talking. Sure. Like I did it to you earlier. Like my phone buzzed and I went right to it because that's my generation. Mm-hmm. And I pointed that out to them. They're like, yeah, but that's our generation. I said, quit making excuses for our generation. Mm. And 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 yet the part of the thing that I've been wrestling with often is you say well it shouldn't be this way and their their response often when i'm trying to talk with them about it is but i don't know another way yeah and that and that's valid that's a legit thing and i know there's people that students that i've talked to that have said like i know what you're saying and i'm not sure it's great that i do this but i don't know another way to do it i don't i don't know what else i could do so what would that look like Mm -hmm. and so i've had to start going back and telling them stories and helping them understand, like, here's some things that you could do differently if you chose to. Yeah. Here's the kind of conversations that you could have. Here's the kind of um, things that you would benefit from if you actually did them. Here, here's what you would it would look like to not take a car but to go for a walk. Like, there are some really great coffee shops around here. You should go sit and talk to some people. And not take your phone. And that threw a few of them off, like, 
well, how would my mom and dad and everybody else I know know where I am all the time? That was my first thought. I was like, are you insane? My right. friend Sydney went for a walk, and I was like, where are you? Where are you? Where are you? Yep. She's like, oh, sorry, I was for a walk. I said, you live in Chicago. You're not going for a walk without your phone. I, I, I get it. I get it. And yet, for hundreds of years, people have lived here and didn't have that thing. And and so, it, another example is, um, and this is a fascinating thing, that it's almost like uh, most of you don't even know how to conceive of a world like this. So this concept called pervasive presence. Pervasive presence is the notion that all of the people that you know and love or care about, because they're still alive, obviously, uh, you have all time access to. Meaning they're with you all the time. Your mom and dad, right now, if I said text your dad, you could text your dad and your dad would probably get back to you pretty quickly. Your dad is always present no matter where you go. Your friends, always present for the most part. The ones that aren't ignoring you because they want to walk in Chicago without a phone. But most of them are present with you. Um, and in some ways, people find that comforting because they think, oh, these people are always with me, so I'm not really alone. But you're really alone. And just because you can reach out to them, generally what that does is makes you not talk to the people who are sitting in front of you. Because, well, but I care about those other people more. I care about my mom and my dad and my brothers and my best friend back home. I, I get that. But there's opportunities for relationships right in front of you that you're often ignoring or passing by quickly because, well, this pervasive presence makes those other people available to me. So I just saw something really funny. And instead of having a conversation with someone at a coffee shop about that, I actually sent it to my best friend. Yeah. Well, my best friend's there. Why wouldn't I send it to my best friend? What's your, what's your point? Uh, that I missed the world around me. That this device has actually pulled me out of mentally the world that I live in with my body in front of me. That's problematic, especially because the body matters. It matters a lot. And that's where you start to get some of the, uh, we'll call it uh, cynicism or a little bit more pesim pessimism from somebody like when you're getting to Postman. So you got to Postman mm -hmm. and Postman gets, you know, you can't write a book called Amusing Ourselves to Death and, and not think, oh, he's kind of pessimistic. Like he's, yeah, he's, he's not in a good headspace when he's talking about how this is affecting us. That's my favorite book. Is it? Mm -hmm. Why? It was the first one that I read that, like, just, like, my sophomore year in intercommunication. That was, like, the first one that really triggered. It was like, ooh, this is interesting. <laughs> uh. So it's a little more sentimental. And because I really wasn't allowed to watch a lot of TV. Mm -hmm. Like, TV was only allowed on the weekends. Mm -hmm. And we had a set amount of time. Everything else was. Wait, wait, wait. You were only allowed to watch TV. You were only allowed to watch TV a set amount of time. Unless, because you lived in the South, there was college football on. Yeah. Right. Okay. Then it was an unlimited SEC amount of time football. if college football was on, because it's okay if it's football, but it's not okay if it's if it's the Razorbacks. Totally. Fine. Right. 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 Or whatever your favorite. If it's Southern Alabama, turn off the TV. Sports team is yes. You're gonna get the microphone thrown at you by our engineer. <laughs> All right. Thanks. Uh, yeah. No. I mean, like some things. It's oh no, that's okay because that's culturally appropriate. But mm -hmm. this other stuff, you can only watch certain things. Yeah. Yeah. And and so what did that do to you? I think it's. I feel different than a lot of my friends because I don't have all these like SpongeBob references. Hey, because I wasn't allowed to watch oh, SpongeBob. Oh, you need more SpongeBob references. 
I still feel like he's gonna like that show's gonna rot my brain. I watch it and I'm like irritated. He is the <laughs> literally. I feel like when I watched SpongeBob, I'm like he's the most positive, attitude, happy That's person. That's half my I problem. Must. I liked Postman. Oh, okay. <laughs> so the critical part was like, uh, give me more Postman, less SpongeBob. Okay. Yes. All right. I'll get that. All right. Mm-hmm. So, what was it that really, like, popped for you with Postman? Just like addressing like this is the future. Like all of us are going to see the same thing. So we are the same thing. I'm like, obviously we're different. Everyone has like different backgrounds and lifestyles, but it's like, we're all watching the same shows. Like SpongeBob, everyone that watches SpongeBob's like, oh, you remember that quote? Ha ha ha. We sound silly. And everyone else. <laughs> I had some worse. I was like, yes. are you being left out of SpongeBob conversations on a regular basis? Is that what's happening here? No, SpongeBob is weirdly on my mind, and now it's like okay. giggles in my head, and it's kind of, I'm kind of mad at my brain right okay. now. Okay, yeah, I get that. I get that. But, so you read Postman, he's a little cynical, and you thought, okay, we're all becoming, even though basically what you just admitted a minute ago was that uh, by watching uh, SEC football, you're all just becoming the same thing anyway. But we're not going <laughs> to mention that in this conversation. We'll just leave that alone. We'll, we'll let that go for a minute. We'll let that fester. Yeah, we'll let that slide. Um, so, what... Uh, what did you take away from Postman, though? Because it, it, being critical and cynical is, is a little bit of an easy thing to walk away and look at the world and go, well, this whole thing's falling apart. This this isn't going to work. What are we going to do now? Yeah. I definitely liked that he was very cynical about it. Just because, it's like, you know, sometimes a negative perspective is good to have. But mm-hmm. yeah. as I walked away, I was like, I had to be careful of, like, when I was thinking about, like, obviously, like, technology or, like, TV. I was like can't be like so bitter but i was like for that reason we know what's going on across the world um Mm -hmm. for me it was just like understanding a balance of like hating technology and using it for an actual good purpose not just to like what you said having an out-of-body experience Mm -hmm. well and and the thing that i struggled with with postman post uh tv i'll Mm -hmm. say just internet is that uh we weren't all watching the same thing in fact now i don't think anybody sees the same thing no like, I have students, friends, even my kids will make jokes about memes, and they all don't know each other's things. Mm-hmm. Like, we can't keep track of all the stuff that's going on, so we can't all homogenize, mm-hmm. because realistically, there's a billion things all coming at us all at once, which there's a whole nother level of criticism for that, mm-hmm. uh, and and really thinking through, like, I think you read Alone Together. We talked about that I started today. reading it. Okay. I haven't finished it. I'm doing, like, three books at once. I need to stop doing okay. that. Okay. All right. But uh, we, And we talked about that in an earlier podcast about Alone Together, the idea that we could actually engage media and feel like we're connected without actually being connected to one another, actually alone. Uh, but it's uh, the Internet brings a whole new set of problems because it's everything all at once, all the time. Yeah. Like, this is way too much for us to manage. It's, it's not even... I've heard somebody say, well, it's like drinking from a fire hose. And I'm like... No, it's more like just opening your mouth and getting dropped in the ocean. Yeah. Like, you can't swallow the ocean. It's too much stuff. So how do we manage? So just talk to me a little bit. So you've been reading all these books. Mm -hmm. Uh, Is it, first of all, like, mentally overwhelming, like, the world is falling apart? I have not had that moment of, like, the world's falling apart. I'm like, okay, it is 2021. A lot of these were published from, like, 1964 to 2012 I think mm-hmm. is the latest mm-hmm. one so obviously the world has not fallen apart so I think I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> so or you're living in a robot society you just didn't know existed but it's fine it's yeah let's okay. knock on my head and you hear metal okay yeah not real <laughs> um 
I just had more of like it's like a humbling moment of like how much has changed mm-hmm. and how do you gracefully take steps with the change because mm-hmm. like I can't keep up with it and I'm not gonna try and keep up with it because that's just gonna cause like some anxiety panic attack mm-hmm. I don't want to deal with that right now mm-hmm. like I'm in school I got other things to worry about <laughs> <laughs> but yeah but yeah I sometimes it's just like baffling to like think about it. like sometimes I just don't have words like right now I don't have words <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, well, and, and I think that the the thing that I've been wrestling a lot with lately and, and even thinking and reading a lot about lately is what, so what are some healthier ways to go? I mean, it's one thing to say, hey, here's all these critiques. Hey, here's the trade-offs. Hey, here's the cynicism. Hey, there's all this stuff. So what would be better? Yeah. What would be a better way forward? And the thing that I keep coming back to is the reg the, the recognition that Jesus mm-hmm. on a regular basis describes humans um, as but he used natural metaphors and that's a really strange thing if you think about Jesus because Jesus first and foremost comes exactly when he wants if he's truly the son of God he picks exactly the moment he come he could have come a thousand years later he could have come when the internet was invented yeah. could have made this all completely different experience but he doesn't and then he shows up and he's the only person in history who gets to pick his mom and his dad um, and he even gets to pick his dad's mom and dad's profession because he was around when they were created and he knows exactly what this looks like. And he picks his, his adopted father, Joseph, who in the scriptures has uh, the title Tecton, which essentially is a technology worker of the day. He's a carpenter and a stonemason. Uh, and Jesus follows in those footsteps to the point that in one of the gospels, Jesus is called the Tecton. So Jesus shows up at the right moment when exactly he picked, he works with a guy who is his adopted father, who's a tecton, gets called a tecton himself, and yet never, except for one specific instance, uses a technology reference for people. You basically just ignored all the language you spent this whole time learning and went back and talked about natural references to refer to people, like trees and sheep, like vines fruit he refers to those kind of things he doesn't refer he never calls a person a table even though he worked on one or a wall or a road or all these technology innovations that are happening which at that point in time is a huge technology just explosion around the roman empire he keeps calling us natural things that god made which then begs the question it's a little mind-blowing you want to trip out a little bit um that means that when he created the universe ex nihilo he created all those things to be metaphors to explain to us who we are later he made the metaphor right around the time he made you so that he could use it to explain it to you, but he had to show up several thousand years later just so you understood what it was long enough that he could explain you back to yourself. It's a mind-blowing concept because Jesus isn't talking about us like we're technology. And he's talking about us often like we're trees. We have roots. We're connected. We need water, sunlight. Coffee. Okay. I mean, I don't know very many trees that need coffee, but I've heard they use it for fertilizer. Sure, why not? Uh, Yes, trees that need coffee. Okay. So, but trees that make fruit. Mm -hmm. Trees that are grounded. Trees that are, those things were designed by God. Yeah. To grow, to be alive. And every time I talk about this, people start saying, well, but I don't think of myself that way. I think of myself like technology. Yeah. I think of myself like a machine. Like, I have systems, a digestive system. Like, it's not disconnected. It's still what it means to be human. Yeah. 
And so for me, what I keep going back to is, okay, so if Jesus described me in natural terms, what are these natural things that I need to learn a little more about? So I actually read some things on um, people that love technology. For instance, there's there's an article you need to read. I think you're going to love it. Okay, so it's a guy named Wendell Berry. It's B-E-R-R-Y. It's written in, I want to say the 80s. He's an author. He's a writer. He writes poetry. He writes uh, books. Um, The article that he wrote, published, I think, in the New York Times or the Washington Post, one of the two, is called Why I Will Not Buy a Computer. And it's in the 80s, so this is really super early, but he's basically saying, here's why I won't buy a computer. And he outlines all the things he thinks he loses by buying a computer. Oh, I want to read this. So, And it's not long. You can go look it up online. It's pretty easy. So, yeah, by the way, I'm not discouraging technology use. Go look up Wendell Berry online. It's free. It's not a big deal. But if you read this article by Wendell Berry, you'll start to see what he thinks we're losing. And so Berry basically moves to Kentucky to his family farm and becomes a farmer and raises... Nothing against farmers. No, raises uh, livestock. And um, I think he, he basically just does tons of planting and farming and farm to the ground kind of work to this day he won't take an interview uh usually have to go to his house to get an interview with him but what he's trying to get us to stop for a moment which is really what um, the others are critiquing one side alul and McLuhan are critiquing one side to say here's what technology is doing he's talking about the consequences of what we're losing and there's some really powerful things to that to realize what are we losing and oftentimes that's what McLuhan was trying to say at the beginning you're always gaining something yes but you're always losing something in the process and when you don't notice or care about what you lost you tend to blow it off and move past it too quickly and then you tell yourself later that it wasn't really anything to worry about to begin with so now uh, the upside the thing that I love about Wendell Berry is he's not trying to tell us all to go be farmers in Kentucky but he is trying to make a stop for a moment and think about how are we connected to one another? How are we connected to our communities? How are we connected to our faith? And how are we connected to the ground itself? How are we connected to the world that we live in? When you stop and start thinking about the things that we're losing and the things we could put back, then that cynicism, not necessarily go away, but at least can be directed to more positive places to put the energy rather than negative places of just critique. So, and, and that it's made me do some different things. So if you go on my website, uh, it's jeremypettit.com. I just uh, did a message a while back called the laptop and the bonsai. I did buy a bonsai tree. It is barely making it. Uh, I was trying to learn from owning a plant. Uh, I'm not great at taking care of them. Me neither. Yeah, I accidentally bought an outdoor bonsai in the middle (laughs) of winter in Chicago. It's not a great idea, guys, uh, because you can't take a tree outside right away. So I'm trying desperately to keep it alive until spring, in which case I can take it outside and then it'll be okay. I don't know if it's going to make it. It's really not looking great. And apparently you can overwater and underwater a bonsai. So good luck figuring out which one I'm doing. Um, Probably a little of both, depending on the week. There's an app that you can, like, plant. Oh, good. So I need technology to solve Sorry. my bonsai problem. Good. Thank you. I'm just kidding. Sorry, it's I a Gen probably Z should, talking. I, should probably I don't know look. if y'all could figure that no, out. No, I totally I totally looked up on, <laughs> on the internet. I'm like, okay, which kind of plant do I have? Because I don't know if I bought the right thing. And then I was like, oh, no, I bought an outdoor tree. And I'm like, all right, how do you take care of outdoor trees? And I watched four videos on how to do it. So I'm like, the technology is helping me learn about the tree. I don't have a problem with it. But I actually 
don't know if it's going to live, and if I doesn't, I have to go buy another bonsai just to save face and make sure that I don't feel bad about the fact that I killed the first one. So, are you going to bring the first one back, or are you just? I don't know. I don't. I don't. I, I got to figure out if that's even possible. Like, can I raise it from the dead? Is it a Lazarus bonsai tree? How's this going to work? I don't know. You can probably take it to the shop you bought it. I was like, hi, this died. I bought you. it from Amazon. Okay. <laughs> Sheesh, Amazon's not going to take a dead bonsai tree back. What am I going to do? <laughs> Gosh. Okay, well, but Amazon will deliver another one to my door in two days, and I'll be fine. Probably look exactly the same, if I'm honest. Um, so uh, let's uh, let's just take this back to some practical things. So what out of all of this, what are some practical things that you've been learning and doing based on all these things you've been reading? First thing is, like, I've created more of a schedule, like, when I'm on my phone okay. and, like, when I'm on my laptop. Obviously, I'm in school, so sometimes the laptop timing has to go overboard because yep. I'm writing a paper. I'm writing an email. And other things have priority other than not being on technology. Like, this is useful and I need to do this. Sure, absolutely. Um, with my phone, I kind of, like, wiped it clean. I made it look like there's a bunch of apps on it. It's like those stupid little shortcuts that Apple does. Mm -hmm. Not to be rude, Apple. I doubt you're listening. Um, oh, no, they're listening and coming for you. Great. They know where you live now. They're sending a drone. They're going to take their device away. All well, right, anyway. Taking down the school, so <laughs> <laughs> not coming back on Monday. Um, I It's, like, totally fake. I'll show it to you. So, basically, it's all black and white, but nothing's connected to anything. Wait, you have apps on your, like, app icons on your phone that don't go anywhere? Yeah. Do you just, like, randomly tap them at times and not think about the fact that they don't go anywhere? No, because my phone doesn't do anything. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> so I was like, I have to, like, scroll, like, four pages over to, like, actually get to my apps. Oh, okay. All so right. It's like, it's what you do. Like, you have, like, a few apps. Yeah, I just deleted almost all of them. Like, some people are, like, my kids are even, like, what do you even have that thing for? Mm -hmm. And I was like, well, mostly I just need it for, like, a hotspot for my laptop on the train. And they're like, oh. Well, okay, but why do you have a... I'm like, well, you're going to text me and ask me thing later, and I at least can text on it. Mm -hmm. <coughs> I don't think I can go back to T9. What's that? Oh, dear Lord. <laughs> okay, so there used to be these phones that you flipped open. They were actually phones, and they just had numbers on them. And so T9 was this way of <laughs> texting where you had to hit Oh, one, wait, I know what this is. Like we're good. Like one... A, B, C, and then it was like maybe one special character and then it went back to one. So you had to hit, you wanted B, you had to hit one three times to get a B, and then you had it two. Isn't uh, B the second letter of the alphabet? Yeah, but you had, it went one, A, B. So you had to hit it three times to oh. get to B, and then if you wanted an E, you had to hit two, like three times to get to an E or whatever it was. So you're going to spell, you know, B there soon. Like it was like 72 pushes to get it to work. And I'm like, man, this is a lot. So I'm like, okay, I'd much rather have a phone I can just type on. Uh, and they had things like sidekicks, and I think uh, McKelvey's coming in next week. We'll talk about that, see if she had a sidekick. Sidekicks, like the slide ones? Yeah, yeah. That's what I had. Okay, so you're just typing on that. Well, before that, they had it was called T9, and it basically was just text. Uh, and I had students in, in my youth group that could do it under the table, and I was like, I don't know how you do this. Like, they could send whole paragraphs full of text, and I'm like, you hit that phone like 700 times to send that paragraph. How did you know you didn't misspell anything? And they're like, no, we didn't need to look. We know what we're doing. And I'm like, wow, okay. Ask them where they are today. No, they're sitting. They're, they're definitely sitting with a smartphone because they were sick of T9 too. Um, all right, yeah. So what else are you doing besides deleting everything off your phone? Which everybody's like, wait, we're not doing. Yeah, I've just invested a lot more money in books. I'm. I had this tiny like dinky bookshelf that was like the two like cube thing from mm -hmm. Target in my room. 
yeah, that thing doesn't work for all my books anymore. Um, okay. I've invested in, like, have, like, set time when I need to be reading. Mm-hmm. Um, whether it's about technology or just something fun. Like, I read the Harry Potter series over break, and that was great. And mm. I felt alive again. <laughs> <laughs> I felt alive. I read a book with pages and felt alive. You were connected to the trees that had to be killed to make it. <laughs> because it is a form of technology, if we're being honest. But that's okay. It's a different conversation. Full honesty, it was an audiobook from YouTube, and it was oh, this British reading. Oh, it. so the truth comes out. Okay, this is how we go now. Okay, actually, that, that and that's a whole other episode I got to record at some point to talk about the audiobook thing because I, I think there's there's more people who are actually connecting. Uh, to the sound mm-hmm. rather than to actually the words on the page. And there's some really fascinating things in there that we'll have to talk about on a different episode. But mm-hmm. anything else you've been doing? Ugh. Practical outcomes? I've just been talking more. I would definitely say before I started reading all these books, I was probably afraid of my own shadow and my own voice. Hmm. Like I went and told my professors my first two years, like, I don't like talking in class. Like, I don't trust what I have to say. But after reading these books, I was like, wait. I need to say something because, hmm. like, if I'm just going to let the textbooks tell me and I don't have to, like, have this, like, internal <laughs> processing, um, I there's no point. Okay. So I was just, like, it was teaching myself to talk almost. Hmm. So I was just very quiet at first. But, but in the process, finding your voice. Yeah. And that's important because I think there's times where there are unintended consequences, like mm-hmm. the technology makes us less likely to speak up because mm-hmm. we don't we haven't found and are using our own voice yeah and so um first of all i want to thank you for showing up today oh, just so hanging out fun. and talking yeah it was a good conversation uh and i want the people out there that are listening yeah, to this to find your own voice as well so if you have questions things that you want to talk about hear us talk about uh even just want pettit to answer hey uh can you talk about this you can email me at profpedit at gmail.com, uh, and we will do a show very soon on some of your questions that you all are asking. Or um, you can check out uh, that sermon that I talked about earlier called The Laptop and the Bonsai. It's on jeremypettit.com. But uh, I'm so glad you stopped by today at Alol's Cafe and had this conversation with us. And we're looking forward to the next episodes uh, where we're going to talk, I think, to... Uh, Prof. Mac about some of her experiences with technology. So, have a great one. We'll see you soon.